1: Besides all the tech worries that I have already about our computers and cybersecurity, what is there that I don't know about that I need to focus on to save our company in the future? To answer that question, Vince Scott. Vince, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Joel. Hey, listen. So um, what kinds of uh, concerns should uh, these uh, leaders of middle-sized companies have. I mean, what are what are the kinds of things people should be concerned about?
2: Yeah, I think cybersecurity is a very difficult spot for a medium-sized company. You're you're big enough to be a target, and you're small enough that you it's very difficult to ex- afford expensive defenses uh, for your enterprise. Right, so. I, I like to talk about fundamental blocking and tackling. I'm a, I'm a big NFL analogy guy. I think that uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, the technologies and the, the high-end stuff in cybersecurity. But for medium-sized companies, let's keep it simple. Focus on the fundamentals. Uh, fundamental number one is having the right people uh, as a part of your enterprise. As a medium-sized company you might not have anybody in in-house that looks at security um, if you're outsourcing your your website your IT you know those capabilities then you should be engaging uh, a company that that offers some security with what they bring to the table for you I think that's number one I think number two uh, think backups well, well, let, let's, hat- hang on a
1: second let, let's unpack that because it just that's a mouthful all by itself. So let's say that most uh, medium-sized companies, uh, you know, $10 million all the way to sometimes even a billion dollars will, will outsource these services because they don't have yep. uh, the overhead to bring it all inside. Just like you're saying, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, they have their web company, they have maybe their SaaS companies that handle some of their cloud stuff. They've got Dropboxes. I mean, they've, they've probably got a patchwork of different kinds of things. When you say a company that handles their, their security, uh, is that the same company? Is it a different company? Uh, what what kinds of responsibilities should these companies be focused on? I mean, I mean, what what exactly are you referring to?
2: Yeah. So I think that when you talk about from a ten million dollar company to a billion dollar company, you cover a lot of ground, right? And along that maturity continuum, I would expect those companies to have more reliance on IT. And, and more overhead investment in their information technology architecture. Because as you move up that scale, every company today to a certain extent is an information technology company. Our businesses today run on IT. Uh, you and I had a conversation prior to starting this about, well, what happens when the internet goes out? Uh, well, people start canceling and rescheduling, et cetera, because we can't get our business done. And And in the same way as for medium-sized companies who are doing all different kinds of things across the board, right? There still needs to be this slice of, I rely on my information technology to get my business done, whether that's my cash registers, whether that's running credit cards, whether that's uh, controlling inventory, manufacturing, don't care what it is, IT sort of underlies everything today. So as you look at the places where you, buy services for that. You should also be looking at what the security component is, of that is. I think you can buy it baked in with a company. Let's say you are a, a Google for business company, right? And Google for business is gonna spend billions of dollars on their security and that that may be good for you. And, and leveraging the, the capabilities that Google brings to the table is an important part of the equation. Um, maybe you're spread out across a number of different areas and IT service providers, then you got to think about, well, how do I secure this uh, diverse set of capabilities that we have? Because ultimately, um, you know, people are going to want to come after your business and your money. Uh, You know, I've had people talk to me about, well, I'm a soap and diaper company who would hack me. Uh, and my answer to them was everybody who wants a, a slice of your $85 billion a year. They, <laughs> the uh, the even very small companies or, or very small organizations can be subject to this. So I think every medium-sized business owner needs to have at least a thought about cybersecurity because a failure there can bring your business down.
1: Okay, so let, let me let me understand uh, something here. So let's say you use uh, the state-of-the-art AWS services or, you, you know, the Amazon, or mm-hmm. let's say you use Google's high-end services. Uh, I mean, they have all these security measures built in. Is that good enough, or do you need a, your own layer in addition to what layer they give you?
2: Yeah, so some of that is built in, but often on those big um, services, you have to be configured correctly. So if I'm using AWS and AWS has a lot of security built in, that doesn't mean it's securing me if I don't have it configured correctly. And those configurations from a cloud perspective actually require some expertise. Um, And honestly, I think AWS is a great example where a lot of companies are losing their data and information because they put it in, in the cloud and they think, oh, I'm good. Not realizing that they haven't configured that cloud to actually be secure, and in many cases, leading it wide open to anybody who wants to scan AWS on the internet. So that you, you know, know, people um, piece of that is important.
1: Different different kinds of companies have different regulations about this. Like let's say hospitals, and hospitals let's say do mm-hmm. several hundred million dollars a year, so they're kind of in this in this bucket with us where we're talking. Um, they have all these HIPAA requirements that they have to secure things in a certain way. And other kinds yep. of companies, uh, attorneys might have requirements to secure things in a certain way. And CPAs might have to secure things in a certain way. Uh, but may, maybe manufacturers don't, unless they deal with the government. And then, I mean, there's, there's all these different regulations. I mean, are there different kinds of IT people that, that specialize just in these different industries? Or how does that work?
2: Yeah, so so there certainly are people who specialize in those industries. I'm one who spe- is specializing right now in in compliance against uh, the Department of Defense and the federal requirements. Uh, there are certainly people who specialize in HIPAA, PCI, credit card is another place where where folks specialize. But I would argue that 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 a lot of that is from there's a compliance piece to this. How do I secure my environment if I'm a hospital for HIPAA and I have to be compliant and I have compliance risk if I don't meet the HIPAA requirements? In parallel with that is what I would call the real security requirements. And a lot of times from a real security requirements perspective, there's a tremendous amount of overlap, right? they are different standards, but in a lot of ways they talk about all of the same things just maybe stacked up a little bit differently. So from a real security perspective, as you look at securing your business, and being worried about somebody hacking you, I think the kinds of people that that specialize in security is really where to look. And that is not as industry vertical specific. When you start talking about it through the compliance lens, then I think there absolutely is industry specific uh, areas to that you want to consider.
1: Is there a guideline for, uh, or a rule of thumb about how much a company should spend on uh, on, on their IT security? I mean, let's say that, you know, uh, your computers are working, you know, but you're talking about adding a layer of security yep. on top of making sure the computers are working. That's, a, it's a different thing.
2: Yep. It is. Um, I, I don't know if there's a guideline for expenditures, but I think you should probably, more important than the amount of money is that you spend, is the quality of people you have working on this uh, problem. So, and I think for every 250 employees or so, you probably should be thinking about a security person or an IT person who has security in their portfolio at the very least, um, who's helping to support you?
1: You know, th- this this opens so many uh, questions, and they're all hard questions. If you're an attorney or an accountant or a business, uh, you know, executive, um, you know, you don't know that much about computers, probably. You probably don't know that much about right. uh, the, the details of what we're talking about right now. How do you even hire this kind of person? Like, how do you know that you're hiring a high level person. And how do you know that that high level person is doing a high level job you know, until it's too late? It's like, you know, you don't know you have a great accountant until it's too late, or you don't know you have a great lawyer till it's too late, <laughs> or you have a great doctor till right. it's too late. How do you know that the guy that you've hired, or woman, by the way, I hate to do that, but how do you know that the person that you've hired uh, is, is got what it takes to, to keep you safe?
2: Yeah, that's a that's always a great uh, question. I, I think from a starting point perspective is for at the lower end of the medium scale, I'd be looking to hire a company to do this to do for me, like a managed security service provider. So there's companies out there that do security services for you as their job, and that would be. And this, be a and place this is
1: for, di- I wait wait. And this that. is different. This is different than the people who manage your computers, right? Absolutely right. I mean, so the security of your computers and the operations of your computers should be treated separately.
2: Um, Honestly, I think so. And I think that um, the, when I came to the the security industry, I was very much in the, that the chief information security officer should work for the chief information officer. So, if you had a security guy, that should probably fit in your IT organization, um, you know, as you move up your scale towards that billion-dollar company, right? Um, in the modern context, or based on my experience now, I actually think you should should probably split those responsibilities out, uh, because one of the biggest problems I see is that uh, there could be a conflict of interest with the guy who runs your IT and the guy who runs your security, because the guy who runs your IT is incentivized to not find problems. And one of the things I talk about is the biggest problem in security is the truth you don't want to know. Uh, and I see it all the time. I've seen it in hospitals as a, as a significant problem where security works for the IT guy. The IT guy knows he's not getting any more budget, so we're not going to find any security problems. We're part of I didn't, I told you we weren't finding any problems, didn't you understand? That might keep you <laughs> compliant, but it doesn't get you real security and it leaves you with hidden risk. Right? I, I'm a big guy about hey let's let's have all the risk on the table so that the executives can make a, an informed decision about it. And if you have that conflict of interest between security and IT uh, I think sometimes you can have a lot of hidden risks there that you don't understand.
1: Yeah, I I, I totally I see it the same way. I mean, it's uh, th- these are these are complicated issues. I mean, I've I've dealt with these kinds of people, these kinds of uh, IT people, and, and they're they're hard to deal with. It's hard to see uh, who's good, who's not good. Uh, yep. Is it is it generally okay to hire, uh, especially if you're under a couple hundred people, like you're saying, a company to do this for you? I mean, are are they are they around enough? I mean, I mean, how do you even pick a company or a vendor to do that for
2: you? Yeah, so i I think there are quite a few companies out there. Um I think there's some things to consider. Uh, in your choice of a managed security s- service provider, uh, most cities in America have at least a couple of companies if not a handful that probably do that full time, right? They're going to do vulnerability scanning for you. They're going to do penetration testing for you. They're going to do incident response. So I've had a problem. I've had ransomware. I've had something They come in and help you clean it up. Those kind of companies are out there. Um, I think that um, a lot of times I like small and medium-sized companies in that space because I think you can get a good product that's value priced as opposed to the bigs. Right, so McAfee will do this for you. Semantic will do this for you. Uh, you can hire others who are, you know, CrowdStrike or other companies that are big in the space. I don't know that you always get their full attention if you're a smaller, medium-sized company when you hire those guys. So it's, it comes at a premium, and you're not a priority for them. Uh, so for me, advising small and medium-sized companies, I I tend to look for niche players that are that are local uh to to your industry, to your headquarters, uh that you can have a relationship with to make sure that you're getting their best effort all the time.
1: Let's talk about what's at stake here, you know, if, if you don't do a good job with this. I mean, you know, it's one thing they go into your bank account or something. I mean that and that is possible, but wasn't there some kind of a terrible uh, breach some months ago? And, and they went in through a small company and then they got into the federal government. They got into Microsoft. I mean, they yep. got into all the big companies by going through a little company who probably they knew would be more vulnerable. And, you know, and, and I don't know if that company had any liability for being vulnerable. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, could you uh, yep. no, talk about what's at stake here?
2: Yeah. So that that. Per- Particular hack. There is Solar Winds, right? Is way most people refer. That's the name of a company that provides an IT management software that was penetrated a large portion of the market. So a lot of Fortune 500 and a lot of government had the Solar Winds software in their environment. It it gave remote access to their environments, and really, what was done with Solar Winds was very high end, right? That was that was nation state stuff very uh, a lot of time spent a lot of man hours spent in order to be able to develop and execute that style of attack where they actually got into solar winds modified the regular solar winds update so that the next time solar winds updated its software with their clients they actually created a backdoor that that uh, nation state could use to to access whoever had that installation uh, i think that's going to be a hard one to stop, uh, and particularly as a small or medium-sized guy, you're probably not going to be able. If Russia puts, you know, ten thousand man hours against hacking you, you're probably not going to win. Um, you know, I would expect our government to do better, uh, and that that's that's on them. I think from the I mean, let me let me wait, 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 let me let me ask you,
1: let me stop you for a second. I mean, so as, as a citizen, as just a as a businessman, not as a computer or a person. Uh, I look at this and I just shake my head and I say, "How could, how could our our smartest computer people allow such a thing to happen? I mean, is that naive of me? And 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 we just got outsmarted, or did we let our guard down? I mean, what really happened in in that in that hack that that went wrong? Um.
2: Well, so so I think there's a couple of things that went wrong there. If we're talking about it from a United States perspective, right? so so one of the things that that goes wrong there and this continues to be a problem I think it's a worse problem in government it, to a lesser extent it's still a problem in industry, which is uh, uh a hard shell outside and a soft gooey center right so so we have this concept that we have our perimeter set and that everything outside is bad and but once everything is good inside it's assumed to be good right we we, we don't take precautions on our internal environment from a cybersecurity perspective, the way that we should. The second thing is uh, detection, detection, detection. It's the, I think the most important question in this is not, why did it happen? Uh, because as a, a guy who used to play offense and now coaches defense, right? Uh, you know, it's pretty hard to keep it from happening. But what you can do is you can detect it in a reasonable amount of time. So not only did this occur, but it went for over nine months before it was detected. That I think is where the, the primary problem is. And and by, from a federal government perspective, tuning their detection capabilities in order to look for the unusual and look for what shouldn't be happening, that sort of thing, as opposed to assuming that something that goes on and once it makes it inside your network must be okay because it's on the inside. Is, is a bad philosophical approach to this, and it's one we've been making in IT for years. To, to a certain extent, we're starting to move away from that with things like zero trust, but it's still out there, and, and the federal government lags behind, and so it's still big in the federal government, right? So I, I I think the question for the federal government is not why that it happened, because, you know, offense guys try, 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 and they can They can try 100 times and succeed once, and they're heroes. Defense guys can succeed 99 times and fail once, and they're zeros, right? Uh, Yet they fail to meet standards. that's a really hard bar to make for a defense guy. So you're going to get had. That's part of, uh, as you move towards the larger business perspective, you've got to assume bad things are going to happen. How do I know when it happens? And how do I have a plan to deal with it expeditiously when it happens? That prevents those guys from measuring you for the Sunday brunch. And that includes things like ransomware, right? Some ransomware is just designed to get your laptop and get your stuff. But hospital systems that are getting ransomware that are being brought down by this, that doesn't happen because one person clicked the link and six seconds later, it's encrypting your uh, imagery database at the heart of your hospital system, which you can't live without. That somebody, got, somebody clicked the link, somebody got in, but then they spent time seeing what was where and where do we think we can hurt them the most and how can we ask for the most amount of money? That happens at human speed and that takes time. If you can detect that you can prevent them from measuring you for the Sunday punch. And, and so back to the truth, we don't want to know. Detection is often underloved because honestly, I don't want to detect that bad things are going on because then I have to deal with them and I don't have time or money or effort to do that.
1: Well, that's like, that's like putting your head in the sand. I mean, that's uh... Yeah, that's that's not a great strategy either. I mean, so I I, I love that offense defense thing where uh, you know the offense guys get all the credit, and the defense guys nine nine times out of a hundred they're doing great one time and they're uh, and they're terrible. <laughs> uh, I I love that. I think that just it that really resonates for me because it kind of seems to describe it. But what's bothering me here as somebody uh, you know who is subject to these problems, uh, you know, is that uh, okay? So I got to worry about my personal stuff like my credit cards and my social security number. And then I got to worry about uh, you know the ransom thing, like they're going to lock up my computers so that they stop working. And then I got to worry yep. about my business, my bank, my business activities, and my bank accounts. And then I got to worry about, uh, I mean, when does this stop? I mean, is this something that I need to lose sleep over, or or is there a solution out there where I can kind of calm down about this, or is there insurance? I mean, I mean, what what's the steps that I take as a business uh, a business executive to uh, to kind of get some some comfort over this?
2: Yeah, so I think the first thing as a business executive is this is risk and you got to look at it through the risk lens and that's what we pay business executives to do every day is to manage the risk. What we need to do is not under-realize the risk. I think a lot of business executives do under the risk in cyber and therefore we don't prioritize our spend or our investment in mitigating that risk because we underappreciate the size of the risk. Uh, You know, every time we hook our laptop to the internet, think about walking out your door in the worst neighborhood uh, in one of America's great cities, right? I won't throw anybody in particular under the bus. They might be mad at me, but pick one. Uh, and, And you'll go, well, I would I would risk mitigate if I was walking out the door, if I had my office and I was walking out the door in, in that worst neighborhood in town, I would have some risk mitigation that I would do, right? Maybe I would move my office to a uh, you know, a safer location. Maybe I would have bars on the windows. I would do things to make sure my people stayed safe because I would kind of realize that risk, right? I would see that happening every day. And One of the things we don't see from internet land is, we're next door to everybody in the world on this thing. Including the worst neighborhoods of town, right? The the, the worst hacker neighborhood in Eastern Europe. We're we're right next door. We're one IP address away. And, you know, the and thing so, the thing
1: is that the thing is that the bad guys on the internet are not thugs with guns. I mean, they're they're really, really smart people. You know, I mean they're they're yep. really smart and, and they know. I mean I mean they're like shockingly smart and they they know how to outsmart other people and uh, you know it's, it, it's and, and, and you can't tell who they are smart. from looking it's, at them it's
2: yeah they're not just individuals this is a business now right so we particularly in the small and medium-sized side where you're not really you know the I, I really I'm a soap diaper company I don't have any secrets that the Russians would want but you know I, I've got my cash flow and my company and my business, and you know, people want to steal that. Well, how do they do that? The the hacker community, uh, particularly Russian and Chinese organized crime, is very organized. Hacking is a bigger organized crime cash flow than drug running in the United States, and has been for several years. More gross in hacking than in bringing drugs into the United States. Think about that.
1: Wow. That's, so uh, that, that's a that's a shocking statistic.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it was like 2018. The FBI estimated that organized crime actually took more money out of the U.S. from cyber than from drug running. Wow, that that that's good so, cash flow. And think about the risk compared to running drugs, right? If I if I'm an organized criminal. My risk profile for my people and what I'm doing and actually being arrested is vanishingly smaller for doing hacking than it is for doing drug running.
1: Vanishingly. Well, yeah, you know, plus plus the long arm of the law, you know, doesn't—it's hard to reach you in a lot of these places if they can find you at all because you're invisible or whatever. I mean, it's it's, just—it's—it's totally different. Well, and multi-jurisdiction,
2: right? the The jurisdictional challenge. So, I've seen a hack that occurred in France. The money went to Nigeria and then went to Turkey and landed in Poland. How do you get the cops to go after that?
1: Yeah, well, listen. Anything I mean, outside the United States impossible. is hard. Say again. Anything outside the United States is hard.
2: Yeah, right. It, it's anything outside the United States is hard. And so that was a U.S. company that had offices in France. Their actual their their phone system was hacked. They dialed a one nine hundred number on a Friday evening in Nigeria, kept it on all weekend, <laughs> filtered the, the proceeds from that through Turkey to Poland, but but getting somebody to actually go after that, darn near impossible, even for a Fortune five hundred company.
1: It's just well, uh, you know right so, Some of these things some of these things it's, it's not worth, you know, it's not worth it. It's embarrassing if it's 50 or hundred grand or uh, some, whatever the threshold yeah, is. Yeah, it's a hundred grand. An or embarrassing grand. Situation. Yeah. 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 Well, and
2: that's one of the things too. I think why business executives don't uh, appropriately gauge the risk is because the majority more than half of all the successful hacking that goes on never hits the papers because there's no requirement to report. That scenario I just gave you, there is no legal requirement for any company in the United States to report that. So it's really? not on the FBI's crime list, right? That That's a loss that they just write off, but but it doesn't go into anybody's listing of hacking that occurred or how it occurred or community policing or intelligence on how hacks are happening. None of that. That company knows about that nobody else. And you go down the street to another company, and then they've got their thing that they know about nobody else, which is part of the reason why executives don't necessarily have a, an accurate risk picture of this, because they hear about ransomware And because ransomware hits things in, you know, the city of Atlanta can't deny or just fail to tell people that there's a problem when the driver's license office is down for a month, right? They have to have an explanation so that, you know, then you hear about the ransomware. Um, A lot of other forms of hacking, even when they're discovered by companies, are never publicized because there's no requirement to do so. And as you said, it's embarrassing.
1: Well, so I'm. So what I'm hearing is that uh, the inside track on on cybersecurity really number one is is defense more than offense. It's about you know determining that you've got a problem and stopping the problem. You can't entirely prevent the problem, but the smart, the best smartest nope. and fastest people are are uh, are learning about these problems as soon as they can. Uh, you know, better companies are outsourcing. I mean, so you've said a lot of things that are that are really sharp. Could you just wind down for us and and tell us? What are a couple of steps that, that companies could take to protect themselves? Because now, now people are really not going to sleep at night. I mean, now you've kind of made the problem worse because now we know. Now we know. It's like, uh, you know, somebody just ate the golden apple here. And, uh, you know, and now we know, uh, you know, and, and that makes you nervous. So what can we do?
2: Yeah, I, I will start with uh, everybody knows about special forces, right? U.S. Special Operations Command. Special forces has four truths. I'll only trouble you with the first one. People are more important than hardware. We often think about this as a technology problem. It's not a technology problem. It's a people problem. If you have a choice between getting a cool technology and getting a smart person or a smart company that you outsource this as a smart person working on this, choose people over technology.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, listen, uh, we'll we'll take that as the inside
2: track. Awesome. Thank you. Great being with well, you. Listen, Vince, thank
1: you very much for uh, for sharing your insights. Uh, now I got another thing to worry about or 10 more things to worry about. So thank you for that, for heaping more and more stuff on my plate. But uh, listen, hopefully, uh, hopefully somebody's going to get some benefit from this. Uh, you're a wonderful resource and I appreciate you sharing with us. Thanks. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joe Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a huge thanks to our podcast show producer, David Wolf, and the team at Audivita Studios. Profit from the inside wouldn't be possible without these wonderful professionals. To learn more or to find out how you can launch and produce your own podcast show, reach out to www.audivita.com. That's A-U-D-I-V-I-T-A dot
0: Produced by Audivita Studios.